And when it comes down to it, the books that I'm going to leave my daughter are going to mean a lot more than the 401k she's going to go or my life insurance she's going to get. Correct. You know, that's going to be way more impactful. I think something that people have said to me a lot is that's going to be a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not scared of this work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm not scared of the work it takes to do something that that's right. helps my family and helps me and helps the people that I love. Am yeah. I afraid to do work that doesn't benefit me? Yeah, that's called stress. Mm-hmm. But everything else is called passion. I think that our society has greatly, grossly overemphasized the need for security, financial security, to the point that we've adopted a false life. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Having come close to killing off my real life, I will fight. I'll fight anybody and I'll fight anything that keeps me from living my real life. You can't throw enough money my way to get me to accept something different than that. Hi, my name is Beth Stanfield. I'm a lawyer, entrepreneur, dance fitness instructor, speaker, and writer. But of all the things I have been and am becoming, the most sacred to me is that I am free. So welcome to the Beth Stanfield Free Podcast, aka BS Free. Welcome back, everybody, to the Best Stand Feel Free podcast. I have a special guest for you today, one of my good friends. Her name is Samantha Brand. I have met her through Turn Up Dance Fitness, and we've connected on a lot of different levels, and one of those especially is in writing. Because we're still in the Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life series, I wanted to bring Sammy to you. We get into a whole lot in this episode from what we're doing in 2024, exciting announcements about upcoming publications. Uh, We also talk about the grief process, business, making money, not making money. (laughs) It's a lot, but it's worth it. There's so many good things in here. So welcome and enjoy this conversation that I had with Sammy. Sammy B, everybody. So Sammy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to see your face Me right too. now. It's been too long. Yeah. You're yeah. you're my favorite West Coaster. Oh, stop it. Although, however, I do keep having this sort of feeling like that someday you're going to come <laughs> to the East Coast. It's funny you say that. I was just talking to my like best friend. She lives in North Carolina. Yeah. And oh, I, no. I, she just said the other day, she's like, Sam, if you were to come here, we would just take over the world. She's like, we would, it'd be yes. so, everything we do, like are just mirrored in different coasts. And it's like, so yeah. aligned. Yes. But, yeah. And I'm a free agent right now. Like I really am, but I don't, you're almost like giving me permission to do what I do best, which is the power of persuasion. I literally, literally <laughs> went to school for it. It's really hard oh, though. Gosh. Cause like, I know, I know how much easier a lot of my networking would be if I were, mm-hmm. if I were there. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I didn't intend to start that way, but that's oh. okay. We know how to edit, don't we? Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I met Sammy and I'm going to I'm going to let Sammy intro the details for herself. But I met Sammy at Turn Up Dance Conference. Uh I said that incorrectly. I met her through yeah. Turn Up Dance Fitness. And we met through the squad. I think in probably in 2022, most likely. Yes. 
So I met you through the squad in 2022 and fell in love with you as a person. And then, then I fell in love with your writing, right? Then I fell in love with you as a person all over again. And I wanted to have you as a guest on the podcast because you have, your heart is extraordinary. Your life is extraordinary. We wouldn't be able to tell all the things, you know, in this amount of time, but your, and your ability to communicate the real things of life about humanity, what it's like to be a woman, what it's like to be a black woman, what it's like to be someone who has been dealt a very, very difficult hand and, um, the way you live is inspiring. I know. And that's, and also the other thing through the turn up dance fitness um, world that we are so blessed to be a part of, you get to see who people really are. We really have an opportunity just based on the structure of the, of the format and dance, it gets you out of your comfort zone. And when it gets you out of your comfort zone, it exposes who you really are. So ladies and gentlemen to the podcast, I want to introduce Sammy I mean, I just can't wait to let you hear some of her writing. So can you tell um, everybody who you are, where you're from, just the, you know, the podcast? All the goodies. Yes. Um, I am, my government name is Samantha Brand, even though all of my social media, everything says Sammy B. And people have written me checks to Sammy B. So they truly think that's my name. Yes. Um, it's not. My name is Samantha Brand. Uh, I was born and raised in California, actually the whole coast, because I was born and raised zero to 16 in Southern California and then moved to Northern California at 16. And I've been there the second half of my life. I played, I have played soccer since I was three and that has really been my vehicle for everything. Actually. Um, it's what, as a kid, how I made friends, how I was, I just, it just became a big part of my identity. But what was amazing about what, how my parents raised me was they also gave me music my dad is a was a music teacher, so he genuinely had this beautiful artistic mind. He wrote music, he wrote all these things, and my mom also was a play director and a dental assistant and a soccer coach. And so I got to see so many different parts of being an adult. Mm -hmm. And so that also shaped me. So when I didn't have soccer in my life, I had music and I had, you know, nobody knew I wrote. Nobody knew growing up that I was writing at all. I don't think until I, I think I was 27 when I shared my first thing with my family. Wow. Um, uh, and I also played soccer. This is probably important as well. Mm. After college, I played professionally um, overseas in Europe um, and for the Haiti women's national team. And honestly, it's the Haiti women's national team that explained what soccer can be for me. And a wild way of even how I got on that team was uh, after the earthquake. I, my friend and I were both talking, we're both Haitian and we messaged the coach and we're like, Hey, you know, do you guys need balls? Do you guys need food? Do you, how can we support you? And he's like, well, if you're both Haitian, come try out. And we're like, um, <laughs> I was like, I am two or three weeks from graduating college. Like I can't just bounce. Like, I don't think I can. So I talked to my professors. They let me go. Wow. That's how I got into the Haiti national team and honestly changed obviously changed my course of my life, but also who I thought I should be in the world. Mm -hmm. And I have actually so many of my blogs from that. I was writing my experiences because a lot of my friends and family are like, well, what are you doing? Like, you're just in Haiti now. Like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's been my adulthood. And then I moved to Sweden to play in 2017, back to Sweden to play again, 
I met my late husband. We fell in love quickly and, and amazingly and beautifully. Um, we got engaged. We got married. We had a baby. And then he passed away. And that all happened within five summers. Mm. And so, yep. Wow. And then, yeah. And then about three months later, after he passed, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And that's what brought me back to the U.S. And that's where we are now. And we're just thriving and trying to be just better every day than we were yesterday. Yeah. And your daughter's how old? Three. Oh, my gosh. Going on 15. Um. One of the things about you is that you don't hide anything. And that doesn't mean you tell everything all at once, but it does mean that you are the type of person that doesn't, if you want to know the real deal, she's going to tell you. One of the things that always has, has always struck me about your writing is how you've written about the grief process. And when I lost my dad um, to brain cancer, it's been a long time now. It's been over 10 years, but I just kept all of that grief in my head and in my body. And writing was something that has helped me as of late, as I've gotten back into writing to help me work through that. Right. I know. Can you talk me through what that process has been like for you writing yourself through grief? Because I know that you have. Certainly the writing to me speaks volumes because it tells the truth about what it's like. Yeah, it's interesting because when I get to a certain amount of either stress or sadness or anger, I have to write and I will avoid it for a good amount of time at first because I'm like, no, I want to feel this and oh, I need to be, I'm upset. So I need to stay upset. No, when I finally like open the door and put what I'm feeling down in writing, I release it. And that's truly what it is for me. And um, I don't know how, sometimes I don't know how to write without rhyming, which is very strange. It's like, I'll start to journal and it'll turn into a poem. That's why in every power hour and all those things, yeah. it's poems. They're like, you're like, oh my gosh, you just wrote that. I'm like, yeah, no, I have to process this way. But a really interesting way that I write is I write and write and write and write and, write and I kind of disassociate. So I'm writing all these things and they're just flowing out of my brain and they're coming out quickly and almost like unknowingly and subconsciously coming out of me. And afterwards I will read it and go, huh, that's how I feel. And so it's this really weird retrospective way of how I process. And it's a very, like I said, it's very releasing and it's very like, it's very therapeutic, but I've noticed that when I'm going through the hardest things, I don't read them. I don't read them again. Sometimes I leave them on paper and I walk away. Why? Because maybe my daughter needs me. Maybe my family needs me. Maybe I can't sit and cry that day. Yeah. So I get to release it without pro like necessarily going through that trauma again. Yeah. And it was interesting when I was going to print my poetry book that some of those poems felt like I've never read them before. Dang. Wow. Yes. Because when I just. Them, when you read them, did it resonate? Like the reality resonate? It's interesting. Yes. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I wrote that sentence. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I still feel that way. Yeah. Or sometimes it's like, thank God I got through that moment. And, and it's, it's writing can be so many different things for so many different people. But I think for me, it's release. And then also it's connection. Right. Because um, I, a lot of people say, don't share your story when it's an open wound. 
Hmm. I shared my gaping, festering, in the moment wound. Right. And I remember once I had to sit back and think, why did I did do that? And I actually wrote a poem, Why I Share. Yeah. Because it was important to me to process those feelings of oversharing mm-hmm. or sharing from a place of hurt and pain. So yeah. I was like, well, why do I share? I'm like, oh, well, because someone might read one sentence yeah. and be able to walk to their mom and say, see, this is how I feel. There's really no rule. I have heard that same thing, you know, wait till it's a scar or a scab. I've heard all of those things. And I have to just put a pin on that to say, I don't necessarily agree. It's not that I disagree. It's just much more complex. And it requires a certain level of self-knowledge and discernment to know when you yourself when it's time to stay and be and live in it and learn to breathe through it on your own, or if the real, the real gift of the moment is actually to to move through it out loud. And because I tend my, my insides, my fear, my own uh, lack of courage, my conditioning, honestly, my go-to my comfort zone is going to be, let's process this internally only. This is, this is for us and us alone. And more often than not, I'm finding that the answer for me is to say it out loud in its rawness, in its absolutely unediteness. Don't, don't touch it. You know, don't touch it. Just let it go. And no one can tell you what the right thing is because you know in your body, you know, in your body. And I think it's also something where I, so I've traveled the world, literally my best friend lives like seven hours this way. I have best friends on a different continent. So everybody was worried about me Mm -hmm. and everybody wanted to ask, how are you? Everybody Mm -hmm. wanted to see what it really, and there's also that, like I talked about in the poem that Mm -hmm. I read at conferences, there's also a curiosity aspect where some people just want to know to know, you know, there's also people who just like well, I wonder how it feels to be a 31 year old widow, you know, and they just want to ask and they don't think about it. So all of those people got to read a poem from me on a Tuesday and have all those answers. How is she doing? How is she feeling today? And how does it feel to be a widow? Just boom. Mm -hmm. And it was raw and I didn't edit a damn word. And that's something that's really hard for an English buff. Like I am an English buff. Like I love words and sentences and My dad used to speak to us with words like cornucopia and plethora. You know, he was a teacher. So um, those are, I love words. So for me to not edit my stuff and be like, dude, this is just raw. The period is in the wrong spot. I I use the wrong there, which literally hurts my heart. But like, (laughs) like I did it wrong and it was still impactful. Yes. And just putting it out there gave so many people who love me and people who like maybe knew me when I was 10. My fifth grade teacher bought a book. Yes. You know, and she saw that I was going through that, you know, and and got to see how I feel. And, you know, and my uh, high school cross country coach just recently lost her husband and we bought her a book, Mm. you know, and it, it so it was a lot of connection. It really was. And also. I'm talking about stuff people don't talk about and it gives people the space to talk about it. Yeah. And if you guys are wondering if what you're going to read seems like it should be edited, the answer is no. The answer is no. When you read it or when you hear it, the, the piece that she's speaking of needs no editing. 
It does not need any. So whatever it is that you think may not have been right, it's perfect in its in its original form. The way it came out was the way it was always supposed to be. It was finished. Yeah. Yeah. It really and, it, it and, really and raw, raw in the way that grief is. And that's what I wrote in every book that I got to write a letter in. I say grief. I, I wrote this and I unedited it and it's raw like grief mm-hmm. because it it's me- grief is messy and it's uncomfortable and it's, it's really, nobody understands it. Yeah. And that's why when I'm, when I actually went through it, I was like, Oh, well, I could, I could teach people this part. Like mm-hmm. I understand this thoroughly now. <laughs> what are you writing about right now? What are you feeling called to really express right now? I'm going to tell you actually something I haven't told anyone yet. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So it's, it's like, it's a, a book idea. Mm. Um, oh my gosh, you're the perfect person to tell us to. Okay. So I often, actually most people, when someone passes, they have a lot of what could have been, what should have been. I feel that mm. this isn't right. It's not how my life was supposed to be. I mean, the amount of times I'm say I, I've thought that, said that, written that, like, mm. dude, mm-hmm. he was in his thirties. Like my husband was in his thirties. And also my dad was only 65. He finally got to retire and he's gone. And so I want to write a book as if he never passed. Mm. And I run to write all the things that I feel like should have and would have and could have happened. And I run to write how he came home one night and my daughter ran into his arms. And Mm. I want to write all the stories we couldn't have. Mm. And I think it's going to be first off very therapeutic for me, but also it'll get all of that out. All of the, all of that like resentment mm-hmm. for my present. It's really resentment for today. Wow. And I want to get it out. And I want to be like, my daughter would be sitting next to my dad playing the piano today. Mm. My dad practiced every Saturday for church on Sunday. And she would be like I did listening to the frets and the mm-hmm. squeaky squeaks of the frets. She would be doing that. Mm-hmm. And we would be getting together right now for Christmas, you know, maybe in Sweden, maybe here. So I really want to write. That's what I'm called to write about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to start it. I think it's already written in my brain. Yeah. Um, it might even be in poetry form, which is probably the easiest way for me to write it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what I'm called to write right now. You're I, the first person that I've said that to. I, I have these feelings about this. Okay. So I would read it. I would buy it and I would read it and it would be hard. It would be a hard read because I avoid all of those things. I really have not ever let myself think about what things would be like in our family if my dad was still here because we take that finality as an absolute and it's like a part of our reality, the dream, a part of the magic of that person dies. We let that part go. Or we feel like we have to let that part go, right? Because that's reality. To function. But my, I remember my dad worked his entire life for retirement. He spent all of his energy as a man of that generation did. The, The savings, the penny pinching, the we only shop at Walmart, you know, all of that so that he could retire. He reached retirement age at 65. He had his birthday at 65. That summer, he made the decision to actually retire. And he and my mom had a house in Colorado that they were going to live in, which was too far, but (laughs) 
nevertheless, it was their, his dream because he's from he was from Colorado. So the uh, house up in the mountains. And then um, right when he made that decision a week later, he fell down and we had the CT scan that showed the massive tumor in his brain. And he passed only a little less than three months later. And the thing about it is, is he passed right at the time that his life was supposed to start. So how do you tell the story of that life that was about to start? And and I think it's like, oh, I just got chills. I think it's like a disservice. It feels like a disservice that these people did not get to live it. So why not give them their story back? I don't know how else to explain it. It's like, right? you know, it's like, he he got robbed. He got robbed of half his life, my husband. You know, my dad got robbed of watching his first granddaughter walk into kindergarten for the first day and those things. And I think that I got, obviously I got robbed, but also I don't, with both of their stories, it feels like their lives weren't done. And so who am I to have all of these dreams and excitement for what their life could have been and to keep that in? Yeah. Because then it turned, that's what, that's what turns into anger for me. You know, that's what turns into, I can't get out of that stage of grief where I'm just like, I screamed the other day. I was like, he should be here. Yeah. Both of them. Right. You know, it's unfair. Like, and I, and I, and I, obviously we talk about, I think it's widely known now that grief is not linear. It's widely known that those, the five steps of grief and things aren't realistic and right. they're not, Mm-mm. you might, you might have them all in the same exact moment. So it's widely known now, but at the same time, it's like, I want to be in a place that I'm not living in all of them all day, every day. Yeah. And anger is the one that I actually have sought the most help with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started seeking help for it prior to my husband passing, you know, we we had gone through so much prior to it Mm -hmm. and it was, I was so angry at him the day he died. I was angry with him and my last text to him was hey you alive over there Mm. and he never got it yeah um he also never got the text uh i he had messaged me midday my day so late at night his day because he was in sweden and i was here in the u.s and he texted me are you ever going to come home like you know because we were in a horrible spot and i said i did not respond to him and i i messaged back yes uh eventually something like that he never got that text so even the anger I have towards myself for not immediately answering him, because what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, you know? Oof. And I think that's where the story starts. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm coming home. I'll be home next week, yeah. you know? And he gets to hold on because my daughter was 11 months. And I, on the day that he died, he it was exactly one month before my daughter turned one years old. Mm-hmm. She was just growing a personality. Her own, her own herself, you know, not just like, repeating things we say that are cute or whatever she was like making starting to make her own decisions and joking on her own accord and I was like if he would have held on for 10 more days he would have met his own daughter you know and and I think he deserves to have that story told yeah so my heart is like pounding because that's like the most I've talked about this yeah decision well let me tell you this you will write that book and we're at the end of a year we all think in sort of annual you know, we're conditioned that way, but I use it for what it is. I use it as a way to orient myself around saying that I'm going to do something. And we don't, I, I myself don't like deadlines that much, particularly, 
But I would love to see that book in six months. Yeah, it's possible. Um, It's possible with how quickly that I write. Yeah. Um, It's possible with the ease in which I write as well. You're a much more fluid writer than I am. I recently realized, though, the way that I write is... uh, is is just interesting and I actually had to check myself recently because like I said I write and then I walk away and mm-hmm. I don't look back at it and mm-hmm. I had to check myself recently that when I get to a spot in my journaling that hurts I stop journaling and I write a poem and that's great it's a beautiful thing and I've had beautiful things come out of it but I also stop feeling because then I can disassociate wow so I've, I've had to ch- check myself recently and been like mm-hmm. hey Sam keep journaling Mm-hmm. That's but this last challenge with my uh, writing group, mm-hmm. I've actually journaled every time and I would not let myself write a poem. Wow. So that I can stay yeah. present. Yeah. You guys already know that I believe that freedom is contagious and the best way to spread it is to share it with somebody else. So I'm just going to ask you to do that. Send your favorite podcast episode to somebody that you think might like it or some bodies and continue to listen in. I'm also going to ask if you feel so inclined to drop a five-star rating and review it. And if you do review it, I would love to read your review on a future podcast. And lastly, follow us on Instagram at Beth A. Stanfield and the podcast at BS Free Podcast. Okay, back to the podcast. Would you write, and I'm, yeah, I know you're just sort of conceptualizing this, but would it be the story of your husband or your dad or both? So it was interesting. um, After my dad passed, my grief intertwined. So obviously with my dad, it was a very different situation because we were anticipating it. So I had a lot of my grief prior to his death with Mm -hmm. him here, able to go and hug him, touch him and say like, oh my gosh, like we don't know when you're going to pass. Like, so it's very different. But once Mm -hmm. he passed, all of a sudden I would say things to my therapist, like, well, my dad, I mean, my husband, I mean, and it was very entangled. Yeah. So I don't know that I can write one without the other because Mm -hmm. I, yeah, because I'm processing them um, simultaneously and they're just so different, Yeah. you know, Um, they're, they're very different, but they're very parallel. Yeah. And they're both unfinished stories. Exactly. And even, even just watching my mom now, so this was her, this is now her second year doing things at the the junior high and the high school in which my dad worked. And, and it's interesting because I can see her finally pulling away from those places because that's where he was. And before it was like a comfort for her. Um, but now it's like, we always said that my mom only worked in those environments so that she could be around my dad because he just worked and te- he was a teacher, a music teacher. So he was always working and he loved his job. He was good at his job. He loved the kids. So in order for my mom to spend time with him, she would go and work at the schools with him. And now she's realizing I don't need to be there. So even telling part of her story yeah. and because she's also an amazing writer, she does not write anymore. Yeah. Um, she's also, I mean, so expressive and can explain herself so well as well. So it'd be so nice to like give her that as well, a space to, talk about her grief and also my sisters, you know, they lost a brother-in-law and a dad eight months apart, just like I did. And also they had to watch me Mm -hmm. lose those things. And so there's a lot of untold stories and, and my family has suffered. Our grief has butted heads, right? It's, it's, you know, because we're at an anger stage while the other person's at a sad stage and we're at the Mm -hmm. bargaining stage where the other person's at denial. So, right. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. So I think all of us deserve a space to write the stories that should be happening in our heads, you know? Yeah. And yet I think this is ultimately the story that you alone can write. You do have a way of seeing things from a angle that I so greatly appreciate because uh, it's like a new, <laughs> it's almost like a new planet for me. I got, I'm like, wow, the, the way that you express and the way that you are able to show just a completely different dimension of something is so valuable. I mean, you. you can write, I can read, I can read a million books that pretty much tell me what I already know. Cause I've lived that, or I've experienced that, or it's from my, you know, similar point of view, but your, your point of view is just so very beautiful and needed. It's also very unique. It is very uh, unique. Because very of my unique. Experience. It's very unique because also my experiences are just wild. Like it's, I have a, just such an interesting story and I'm realizing it in retrospect of my yeah. story. Yeah. Um, like I said, that's kind of the way my brain works. And so um, I'm realizing that even within the widow community, mm-hmm. it's very unique. Mm-hmm. Even within, you know, uh, my dad's situation and the cancer survivors and, and people who have lost their mm-hmm. family to cancer, it's unique. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it's so all of it is very, which also creates an isolation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I write because it's like, if I share with my friend over here and I'm like, yeah, you know, who is a single mother. Right. And we share that similarity. We both are alone in raising. So, you know, but her situation is so different, right. you know, at least once every few weeks, she doesn't have a child for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very weird and isolating thing, especially at my age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've only met a few others and and then even those situations if they have multiple kids immediately different right immediately different if I got to have a a sibling for Freya because then at least when I'm gone she could share that with that sibling so it's just there's so many twists and turns in my story so I I understand why my perspective is so different from Mm -hmm. others because I I have to (laughs) like that's just the like you said the cards I've been dealt are very very different this, I made a big decision for myself, which I don't think I've told you about this yet, but I, I signed a deal to get a book published in 2024. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys can't see me, but I'm legitimately jumping up and down right now. Uh, Tell I have me more. I know. Well, um, it's not like, it's not like the kind of thing where the whole book publishing wor- world, I'm trying to say words. The whole book publishing world is nonsense. Can we agree with that? Can we agree yeah, that I it's avoided it? Nonsense. So I did a lot of research to figure out where to go for publishing between Amazon self-publishing to, you know, there were some people that came to me, but it was like, it felt very business only, you know, very, I felt very much like I would be in this sort of like business box. So I went a little a different direction. Um, I don't I don't really, really want to announce it right now, like the direction that I went because I haven't signed the contract yet. I'm still, you know, wanting to make sure all the language in there is done. So I'm not going to do that yet. But I'll tell you offline about that. But I am going to do it because every time I turn around and ask the question, like in your life, you know, life is just you're just trying to figure out what to do all, all of the time, right? And every time I turn around, I see 
two things. I see two things. And the solution is either write about it or speak about it. Write about it or speak about it. And the part that is really hard for me is that I will typically tend to do neither. But you already know this, that I have made myself write. And I was a part of your first 30-day writing challenge. And I made, well, you know that I was not the best of the bunch in showing up for that. But in the times that I did show up for that, I'm proud of what I did. So I'm excited to see what happens with it and what it becomes, what it is. Well, you're involved, so it'll be great. Um, But also, I think that you have a lot of tools. You have a lot of tools from the corporate world that you're going to use. And I think that that's, that's really, that's something to be said because you might not feel corporate anymore, or that's not the direction you're going, but those tools that you had to like that rigorous Mm -hmm. thing, right. It's going to serve you so well. Yeah. And then the creativity part is going to feel like fun. I hope so. The part that's daunting to me is, is just organizationally. Like, how do you put, how do you put something organizationally into a format that makes sense? And I think just honestly, I probably just don't need to worry about that right now. Probably just need to get some words on paper. Yeah. I will tell you, there's something um, called sprint writing. Have you heard of this? Writing sprints? Okay. Mm -hmm. Go on to TikTok and look up the hashtag writing sprints. And there's like, uh, actually, we can do this together. There is a a platform or like a, a thing where you can sign into a room together mm. and there's a timer yeah and you okay. can set the timer for whatever it is and you just bleh. okay and yeah. I think for people like us who like can get words out but like yeah. are worried about the structure right 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 yes just write it whatever is going to come of it later that's what you work at work out with your editor with the people that you're already working with whatever yeah but getting words on paper is what we want to do so let's do the thing we know how to do yeah and yeah. then the rest will sort itself out. So that is a right. really good tool. And we don't have to write, we're not writing on the same paper. We're not writing on right. the same thing. It's in our own thing, but we both see the timer and I can mm-hmm. check in on you and there's a chat. I love that. And Let's that is what me. I'm going to, yeah. Let's do it. No, no, we're going to do it okay. because do it. I need to write you this book. Write your book. Yes. I have an actual publishing schedule. So you can just be on my publishing schedule and then we'll know that you get your book out on time. There you go. That is Done. amazing. And I've also, I've also, I've talked about this in my writing group that I've uh, used my triggers of being literally addicted to social media as my trigger to write. Mm. So the first thing I do when I wake up, everyone picks up Mm -hmm. your phone and you either check your emails, you check it. I'm not allowed to do anything until I do my journal prompt. Wow. Good for you. That's amazing. It was so much self-control because, and I keep my phone, but that helps that I keep my phone on do not disturb until I'm done writing. Right. So and much self-control. Those notifications are screaming at you. They're, they're like, like off the phone. So I keep it on do not disturb. And then right when I turn it on, it's like, duh, 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 and that's okay. Right. And yeah. I go straight to my email, which is where my prompts are. And I copy, paste, write. And then even if I write three sentences, I can check it off and be like, I did that today. Yeah. I can check the things because I do a lot of my business through social media. I do a lot of my, you know, so social media isn't just like scrolling for me. Sometimes it's work. Yeah, so totally. I'm, I'm very conscious of not doing that before I take care. And it has changed. I have been more confident, mm-hmm. but it's the first thing I do in the morning. I've been more confident. I've been more, I, I randomly will, will like get up and just make my bed. I'll be like, oh, <laughs> okay. And it just, so it's, it's created a lot of structure for me. Yeah, which I'm not this is I did it for 21 days. And that it has been very interesting, because I am not I don't write to write, I usually write to release. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So forcing myself to write is mm-hmm. very different than being like, I'm freaking out. Like I need to write a poem. So, okay. This. Tell, there's a couple things. First, tell everybody about your writing group, how it works, yes. where to find you, how to get in. Okay. But first let me do this. Let me do this. Let me just say, let me put my little thing in there. One of the ways that I have been able to get out of my head and into my life is through writing. There is something so, and we've been talking about this, but I want to express it in this way. There's something really unique about writing and it could be pencil. It could be keyboard. It could be journal. It could be free form. It could be poetry. I don't care what it is. You could sit down and write a novel. There's something about the writing process that takes you from the left brain where we get stuck in overthinking and it takes you over to the right brain into your creative element. But going from the left brain to the right brain is actually getting into your life because life happens on the right side of your brain. It really does. That's where you feel. That's where you live. That's where you get from the thinking to the doing. And there's something just so just palpably beautiful, but also stunning about what it teaches about ourselves when we write and can show us the way to go. So with that, I want to say I got back into this after a period of time of not writing through your challenge. And again, I said this already, I'm proud of the stuff I wrote that got me moving again into the concept of, okay, it's time to write the book. So tell about the challenge, because this is going to be something that people will want to have and to be a part of so that they can get from the left brain to the right brain and into their life. Yes. And I'm actually going to tell you my goal for 2024 as well. So I was listening to something and it said to the, something to the effect of, if I were to say to you, solve this math equation, what's five plus four, you'd be like, oh, oh that's easy. That's not, you know, that's easy. But if I said, what's 5,352 plus 6,700, you'd say, okay, that's going to take me a second. And, and and what could help you, right? Pen and paper, right? You could solve it very quickly. Yes. And this, this guy that I was watching this video said, why would we think that it is important when we have a simple, it's a math equation, we would sit there and go, boom, I'm going to write it down and that will simplify it. Why don't we apply that to our lives? Right. And mm-hmm. I think that that's like the basis of what I want to give people. Yeah. It's like, we're sitting here with all of these things swirling in our head all day. And for one, we want to, a lot of people want to journal and they're like, well, well, what do I journal on? Like, what do I write? And that's like, and it's unnatural for some people to just sit down and start writing. It might be different for people who journaled their whole lives, you know, mm-hmm. who have always done it. That's, you know, had a diary at six years old. It's, it might be wow. fine. But for people who have never tried to express themselves this way, it's very difficult. So mm-hmm. the first thing that I tell people is you can write in your notes. You can write on pen and paper. You can voice memo. You can look into a camera and talk. Because there's so many different ways to write. And we think it's very specific to getting out my journal and having a candle lit and writing down. No, Mm -hmm. sometimes I will stop Mm -hmm. my car, pull over and write an email to myself. And that's my writing for the day. Yeah. And that's that it can be that simple. Right. And so I want to simplify it, not just by the mode in which you write, but I want to simplify it by giving you a prompt. Yeah. And sometimes that prompt is like, oof, wow, I needed to think about this today. And sometimes it doesn't resonate. And I tell people to write anyways. So mm-hmm. if the prompt was baking helps my life feel more complete and you have no, you don't <laughs> bake, you right. don't, you've never, ever made a cupcake in your life, yeah. but you could be like, well, 
baking doesn't do that for me, but riding my bike does. Oh, but dance fitness does and mm-hmm. use the prompt in a very creative way. Right. And so I don't give people the excuse like, oh, that prompt didn't resonate with me. Nope. Nope. You have to turn nope. it into what, what does. Find what does. Yeah. And find a way to be like, you know what? Baking doesn't, but that kind of reminds me of this one Christmas that my aunt baked a cake and then she said really racist shit. And then we, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, so it might not be something that simple. Right. Um, it, it just is something to get your wheels turning. Mm-hmm. And so the coming January, it's going to go a little bit more evergreen where I have a journal with all the prompts that I've done. So it's a 21 day journal and it's going to be a digital product that you can buy anytime and start anytime. That's great. And that's different than what I've been doing because I've been wanting people to do it daily and get them daily. But at this point, I want people to just have it. I want people to just be able to do it on their own time. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about the people who've already done it is it's always in their email. Like if you missed two or three days of prompts, still in your email. It's yours. It's yours forever. Exactly. I have them forever and a friend of mine who's doing the she's in her third uh challenge now she said I go back and add to them yeah and I was like oh my I didn't think to do that Mm. you know I think always have to start a new one but if you ask me six months ago the same questions that you asked me today the answers are different Mm -hmm. oh my gosh they're different I mean you and I both know that we have grown exponentially in the last six months or from conference or from January when we were in it factor. Holy cow, man. No doubt. Yeah. That's where we first really met. So that's where we first connected about a year. Yeah. And it feels like I've known you much longer than that. Because it's been a crazy year. Transformational. Lots of of highs and, and some, some very difficult lows. And different. And we've, and we've met in different parts of that for the both of us. And we've met in a tier two where mm-hmm. we were trying to like lock down our businesses. You know, yeah. we met in power hours where we were feeling all the feels we got to physically meet in January right. where we had to go over and over and do dances. Like we right. in conference, we met in a very like pivotal weekend for both of us. Mm-hmm. That was a very pivotal weekend where you got to you got to express yourself. I got to express myself. We had an audience to speak to, which I will be forever grateful to Tansy and the Turnip Absolutely. Environment for giving us those platforms. Mm. We we gained an audience and we gained confidence mm. from that. Yeah. So we have met each other in this year at such cool parts and points. And it's so great to be talking to you at the end of I it. Know. I know. At the end of it, and yet still just at the beginning. Still just really getting started. Because for me, what launch actually going from conference announcing that I was launching my own business to now being almost two months in, it's nothing like what I expected, but I am so much more clear on what I am called to do and who I'm serving and how I'm going to do it. And so all of the things I was worried about back then are completely irrelevant. All of the concerns I had pre-launch. And now let's be honest, you don't ever lose the concern about how will I make a living. (laughs) So no, still on the table, right? Because I went from having a multiple six figure salary that I just gave up and started a brand new company. But, you know, at some point in time, you can't live on your savings forever. It's not a good idea necessarily to do that. No. So, you know, I, I am cognizant of really turning this into a way to make a living. But at the same time, I'm not worried about it. I just need to figure out how to do it. 
right? Yeah, not, I not know the it's going to happen. I yeah. know it's going to happen. And I, the thing that it hasn't changed is that before I took that leap of faith out, I had this sense that it's just not even scientifically possible to fail. It's just not because there are a unique group of people that need to hear what we have. What there exactly are. you have. And that's the crazy thing is we are out there. The things that we're doing are out there, but it, it, they need it from Beth. They need it from Sam. And okay. I think that's the, that was the shift in my brain this year when I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not qualified, whatever, whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, I have a very good grasp on what grief means to me. Yeah. And I start it like that. I say, I am not an expert in grief. I'm not an expert in writing, but I am an expert in, in expressing how it has been in my life. Yeah. And that is valuable information for someone who has no idea how to express themselves. That's right. You know, and something that Rick had said at this last wow factor, he said, it doesn't matter what place you are in, in your life. It doesn't matter what stage you're in. Someone looks up to you. That's right. Someone is where you were. Mm-hmm. So for you to be judging yourself, you're judging where that person might be. Right. They, they are dying to be where you are today. You know, I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think are the people that are messaging me saying they're jealous. The ones below, like the, it's, that's an interesting question because jealous in what way? Like that they think you're not going to do it or hating on you or. Not hating on me. Nope. Okay. Just saying, wow, I can't believe you did it. How did you do it? It's the people who want to do it. It's the people who want to do it. It's the people who don't people have the. who are the, in it. Yeah. The you ovaries to do freedom. it. And, and, and what's crazy is you have pushed them one step closer to doing it yeah. because they're like, I actually know Beth. Like it's different than watching these like uh, content creators do these things or people we right. don't know, or or it's even different watching someone who's done it. So my experience has been, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, let's take turn up for instance and, and where they are. I'm seeing them at year six. Yeah. You know, Real. that's year six. You're and like six. for someone to be like, I was at conference with Beth and this didn't exist yet. And mm. now she's doing it. Not like right about to do it, thinking about doing it, talking about doing it. As Beyonce said, be about it. Don't talk about, about it. it. Be about it. Because when you are doing, it's noticeable. When you are talking, people are like, cool, keep talking, keep talking. Yeah. Like, okay, right. now do it. Yes. And then they'll take action from your action. That's right. And then we're just going to figure out how to make money from it. That's what we're going to do. And it's going to come because I think I've talked to so many people uh, who have said like, oh, I broke even my first three years doing this. And I'm like, all I want to do is break even. But at the same time, that's not my goal because I have a child. Yeah. It can't be my goal because Uh -uh. I'm a child. And a lot of people, like I said, they come off of a position where they have a job and they've got the savings. I'm coming off of a no job. So I actually am looking looking to get a job to support this, to do that. But my mom had stopped me. She said, you know what? I'm a little bit nervous about you getting a job that doesn't align because, Mm -hmm. you know, my sister, uh, when I tell you that when she sings it, the heavens open up, Mm -hmm. her voice is healing. Her voice is magical. Mm -hmm. She got a job to support her music and never went back. Right. Yeah. And that is majority of people's story. Yep. And my mom is fiercely protecting my dream. Yeah. That's right. And that is love. Right. And I'm so happy that I have someone in my life who loves me enough to not let me 
not do what I meant to do in the world. Because like you said, the money, it's scary and it's, it's ever present in our brain. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I still have to pay my bills. I still got to do the things. But when we are doing what we're doing right now, and when we talk to someone who we have impacted, Mm -hmm. that is priceless. So priceless. And it reminds me of something. It reminds me of the fact that I get to rewrite my story from the time when I almost died. And when I talk about almost died, this is like a parallel to your book. And this is, but this is the almost death because I physically led my life, but I made that choice to pursue something that was more security oriented, more culturally acceptable and more ego driven. I chose to do that opposed to what was really in my body and my heart, because I was told that you'll never make money that way. Mm. It's not a secure career. So I did the right thing, right? And I killed part of myself in doing so. But this process has been a resurrection of that. It really has been. And now I got to literally rewrite it in my life. Yeah, and it's never too late. And I think that um, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who have started over and that's a blessing. So Mm -hmm. I have like a friend who um, she went down an athletic training route and then pivoted, went to was going to be a physical therapist and pivoted. And now she became a physical, uh, a PA and then pivoted. And now she's using all of those things to create a business. Yeah, that's right. She has all of those things. And for me, like sewing, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, sewing, soccer, all the video editing I've had to do to create all of my highlight reels, all of the times I had to write my own contract. Mm -hmm. I had to check a contract on my own and be like, well, is this sustainable for me? I was my own agent. I was my own manager. I was my own videographer. I was my own advocate. I was sometimes my own accountant. I uh, am sewing. I I have to do customer service. I have to be, you know, I have to get it. It's insane. All the things I've had to do in the last 10 years to survive. Mm -hmm. And all I'm using all of them. I'm using every single one down to the part where I'm going to offer a free uh, custom outfit to the people coming to my retreat. Oh my gosh. A chance to win. How cool is that? So I'm like, that is, it is so amazing how I have been accidentally building to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's accidentally um, because it, there, there was no pre-prescribed job description for that. You're just writing your own based on what's in you. And and that's exactly how it should be. And Absolutely. I will say, I, I can absolutely echo that sort of tension between do I just go out there and get something to sort of tide me over? And again, this goes back to that thing about whether do I speak in my grief or do I hold it? You have to know that for yourself. You do, because sometimes maybe you do need to go work at Starbucks and do the early shift. But I know, for example, as I, as I have plenty of opportunities just to go back and do what I was doing before in the same way I was doing it, I could have immediately just filled my um, schedule with clients, client meetings back and forth, taking all the clients that I could possibly want to handle. And I've said no intentionally. So I can do this. And so I can write a book so I can do the podcast. And so I can serve entrepreneurs and help them build their businesses. And that's what f- lights me up. And I don't care how long it takes to make money. That right there. That right there is the part that people are uncomfortable with. So I have a lot of friends who are in the corporate world who are very comfortable. My sister being one of them, the same sister who gave up music. She is, and when I tell you her mind is now very corporate, it's insane how much she's learned in the last 15 years. 
mm-hmm. but even her, she's like, but what job are you going to, but what job are you going to have? What job are you going to, and I'm like, this was not the way you thought before. Right. And also I, I had my other sister be like, you're t- taking advantage of mom by being there. Mm. And so I've had these things and I have another friend who's like, well, I don't have six things on my list to do and da, 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 da. And so I get all that pressure and I'm just like, but do I actually feel uncomfortable as long as my bills are paid? No, I'm actually okay. Right. I'm okay. They are reading from a script. Yeah. They just don't. They did not write it. They didn't write it. They did not write that script, but we know it well. I'm very familiar with it. And when it comes down to it, the books that I'm going to leave my daughter are going to mean a lot more than the 401k she's going to go or my life insurance she's going to get. Correct. You know, that's going to be way more impactful. Or the fact that you got some kind of end of year bonus for all the great emails that you wrote. Yay. All the project coordination that you did. Yeah. And all the money I made for someone else. (laughs) Exactly. Building someone else's legacy, building someone else's empire. Yeah. Putting a jacuzzi in their backyard. Correct. (laughs) And I think that I, I think... I think something that people have said to me a lot is that's going to be a lot of work. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not scared of this work. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not scared of the work it takes to do something that that's right. helps my family and helps me and helps the people that I love. Am yeah. I afraid to do work that doesn't benefit me? Yeah, that's called stress. Mm-hmm. But everything else is called passion. I think that our society has greatly, grossly overemphasized the need for security, financial security. To the point that we've adopted a false life. I don't care. I don't care anymore. Having come close to killing off my real life, I will fight. I'll fight anybody and I'll fight anything that keeps me from living my real life. You can't throw enough money my way to get me to accept something different than that. That's the part. That's the part for me that I'm realizing is that I I don't, I'm not really looking to become a millionaire in that way. I know that being a millionaire would help me with more reach. Mm -hmm. That's appealing to me. Being able to reach more people because I'm more financially stable, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it just takes one person to make it all worth it. It takes one person who reads my book and does not harm themselves because they actually don't feel alone for that moment. Mm -hmm. That's worth it. Where can we find your book? I know know where it is, but... (laughs) so so right now uh i have not announced this but right now on amazon you can find my first volume hardcover and do i have it near me right now (gasps) yes oh my gosh i'm gonna show you um hardcover and softcover and you um you can find it on amazon it's called goodbye good dash bi colon volume one by Mm -hmm. samantha brand and you could also find my children's book because that is not appropriate for kids. The book that I just said <laughs> called, no shit, really called, yeah, seriously called mommy. Why are you sad? Uh, and that is also under by Samantha brand. You can find them both on Amazon. Okay. Also, where are you on the socials? Sammy B. S-A-M-M. They what? say the, these days when you're on the podcast, this is a tip. They say, what are your links? That's, oh. that's, the, supposed, that's the way they say it. So anyway, what are your links? What are my links? Um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook on at Sammy B. So S-A-M-M-I-E-B-E-E. That is not my real name, but that's the one you're going to find everywhere. Awesome. Thank you, Sammy B. I can't wait. And I'm so excited for everything that you're doing. And I'm so proud of you. And we're doing the damn thing, girl. Like the we're doing thing. what we said. We're doing what we said we were going to do. 
we, we are doing what we said we were going to do, which is no small miracle. Because both of us are scared shitless to do it. That's right. Because it feels really big. Because we had a conversation not that mm-hmm. long ago and both of us were still pretty stuck. Yeah, we were. But now here we are. But now here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. I love you. I love you too. Um, let me know when you're moving to North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me with a good time. I swear. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Okay. Thanks. Love you. You guys already know that I believe that freedom is contagious and the best way to spread it is to share it with somebody else. So I'm just going to ask you to do that. Send your favorite podcast episode to somebody that you think might like it or some bodies and continue to listen in. I'm also going to ask if you feel so inclined to drop a five-star rating and review it. And if you do review it, I would love to read your review on a future podcast. And lastly, follow us on Instagram at Beth A. Stanfield and the podcast at BS Free Podcast. Stay tuned for two more episodes coming next week. One is a guest podcast with someone I am extremely excited to bring to you. See you then.